Hello, hello, hello. Maria Calamore here, personal development coach, um, host of M's Air, the online Instagram talk show um, dealing with sex and relationships. But I'm also a personal development coach for anything in finance, entrepreneurship, organization, and efficiency. Today's topic is going to be about how do we make our relationships work? How do you know the difference between changing your partner and helping them grow? Many of us find things about our partner that we don't like. And we want them to change it because it suits us. Because it's what we feel we have the right to. I have the right to have it the way I want. And so my way is right, your way is wrong, and as a result, you should change. That way of thinking actually adds to a great deal of division. Because why are we in a relationship? Because this particular person loves and accepts me. Is that the case when there's so much about me you seem to want to change? And it comes down to, I think, a lot of times, faith. Faith that the God that works for me works for you. Faith that you are a unique and beautifully created creature. And as a result, the same way things work for me, they work for you. And the same procedures of how you come to a conclusion, I come to one. And that at the end of it, it will work out for the best. And so I can relax. I think many of us don't have that level of faith. And many of us think that what we're doing is right and the other person is wrong. I mean, I'm talking, but I never realized it like I was near 33 before I understood that people aren't stupid. People do things differently. I know that I've grown up for years thinking that once out of people are stupid or people have do things differently, and it's based off of their, how they grew up, their circumstances, the first lessons they've been taught, or the lessons they took. It's just how you and your brother can be raised in the same house, and so absolutely different. Um, one is very attentive to their mother, and the other is like very good at ignoring, and once she gets under the skin, the other she never phases. It's, it's the different personality, it's the different environment, it's the different... All the different things that make it richly different. But that is a flaw. That is, in many ways, a blessing. Um, that diversity. And it's really about using that diversity to your advantage. It's about understanding that things will be okay. And I don't have to be right. I don't. I don't always have to be right. It doesn't always have to be my way. I'm not losing anything in the process. Now, truthfully, you can't get to that level of comfort of knowing that you don't actually know everything and you don't actually understand everything. Your predictions are always the only predictions. and You, you don't get there easily. You, you get there after you start spending some time with you and realizing how flawed you are. Many things that people say you should and should not do doesn't necessarily work or 
sit with you. And so if that is true, then you must understand it's true for others. And often that is, that is where our problem comes. We are really good at even understanding ourselves. So because we, we haven't worked on ourselves, we don't actually have compassion and understanding for somebody else. Leaving us rather distraught, leaving us rather, um, this body's hurting you. This person is hurting you. This person is operating from their basis. And you're getting hurt because of how you read it. It's not actually truth. It's not actually their bad, you're good. It's more of they have a particular system that totally goes against your system. A different operating procedure. You've heard me talk about this before than yours. And it's when the two come together and they have no common ground that they clash. But if you had a common ground of even respecting that, look, I don't need to be right. The same operating system that has guided him to or her to this adulthood can take them the right place to. The same way it takes me where I want to go. I have to believe that they have that same power and give them that space. But we don't. We get very nervous and we think, but they're wrong. And if they would only change, what about you? You're in charge of you. You're not in charge of them. So how do you change? How do you change so that it doesn't hurt? And I had to learn this the hard way. I often have to go in and work out that single idea that's really corrupting me and making me upset. So for example, um, it's amazing how you train yourself. For me, Friday evenings were the end of the week. Saturdays were the days of having a hectic day with the kids. Sundays were the day of rest cooking and getting ready for the week. But Friday nights were my nights. And I always wanted to name my husband to do something on Friday nights. And I literally, even without saying or ever communicating that, I always wish it. So there I would be wishing that I would have this amazing Friday night date. And Friday after Friday would come and nothing would happen. I'd be home, we'd fall, I'd fold clothes, I'd watch TV, I'd go to bed early. It was the same routine. And it got me more and more upset that I couldn't get this Friday night date thing going. And it didn't matter that I would say to him or I would ask, you know, can we do something Friday night? It would be the thought that it never got executed that would upset me. And this bugged me. The thing is, is that even after I separated, Friday night still had that same remnants. And I couldn't seem to shake how Friday night I would get this complete low blue feeling. But if everything that I operate on is based off of my belief system or my thoughts, what is it I was thinking? Why did I make Friday night so big? How come I just can't just change it? Well, I then had to find that thing that I was thinking, which is, when I was married, it was the one night my husband had the easiest night as well. As in, he would work the week. He didn't have to go to work on Saturdays. So he'd always have Friday nights easier. And I thought, shut if you do something now, it's easier because if you, you're never free, Saturday night's not good for you. Sunday's not going to be great for us because you've got Monday to deal with. But 
Friday night, and that was my thinking. Never communicated it, never worried about it. But there it was, causing me problems. I had to mentally let go of that idea. Any night can be great. Hence, I chose myself a new date night. Granted, I met I was dating me. But dating me was equally important as if it was someone else dating me. I made the night special because I wanted it to be special. Because that's the night I wanted to honor myself. I wanted to get away from my chores and my responsibilities and being mommy and, <clears throat> and being the caregiver and being the house manager and all those other things. And I took Tuesday nights off. And it really helped that by the time Friday rolled around and I had work Saturday morning, because now I had a new job and I worked Saturdays and Fridays. Working Friday evenings also helped tremendously because it allowed me then to be too busy to think about that thought. But the point was that I needed to honor myself. And the idea was what was killing me, not the reality. It made no difference what day it is, you go on a date. What made a difference was what I was thinking about that day and what resonance I gave that day. What energy I was giving to that day, that time. But really and truly, I can enjoy any time of the week. I can have fun any time of the week. And I can give myself homage any time of the week. Change the idea, you can change the outcome. Many of us are holding on to ideas. Ideas we had, ideas somebody else planted. Because remember, that's a school thing too. Friday nights was school thing. It was a good carry on. None of this was real. None of this was, was so essential that it could change it. It was just my thinking. You can change your thinking. If you can get that right, you generally can ease up a whole host of other things that you're going through. It's your thinking. It's your thinking he's wrong and you're right. It's the thinking she's right. She doesn't know what she's talking about. And so obviously you do know. When we stop thinking, we know both ends of the stick and we're the only ones who have any wisdom. We ease the pressure on the relationship. It's okay. Actually, one simple rule I have. It is better to be happy than to be right. And if I find that I'm in an argument and it's getting so intense that I'm feeling away about it, I back up. Because it is better to be happy than to be right. And is this making me happy? It's not. No. So you know what? I'm going to leave this. It's okay. Um, whatever you think on it, it's fine by me. And then whatever comes of it, I can accept. Because it can't be that important that we need to fall disagree over it. I also think that often when we argue, we argue really on surface issues. And we miss what the real issue is. So sometimes you're holding on a point that really isn't about the point. It's really to get back at another thing that you feel niggling about. Another resentment, another area that you feel that you had you've been hurt on and you didn't get a chance to express it efficiently or whatever else. And we hold on to a point and we pick at the most seemingly trivial things and blow it into proportion of bigness when it really comes down to the same key things over and over again. I remember one of the first things when we were getting into marriage and relationships and studying, one of the first things I came across was this therapist that was saying, your first argument is always your argument. It's the same argument, repeated differently, with different subjects for you. But it really comes down to 
You're my partner. I love you. And these, 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 these points are great. But in this area, you don't fulfill my need. Tell me one problem happened to A lot of times, you don't, you can't, you haven't stopped to work at what that need is. I have a girlfriend who complained about her husband buying a new car and he not letting her drive it. And how irritated and insulted she was that he wouldn't lend her the car to go do something for the house. And she wanted to pick up the doors. And she said, this would be a lot easier if you just lend me the van. And he said, no, I don't want you driving with that. And she was upset saying that the doors were important and how he could make. But it really came down to what? You don't trust me with material stuff? I mean, it's a door. It's a car. It's not, it's not as important as us. Why is it you don't trust me? And trust was an issue with them on numerous levels. And it kept coming back up. You don't trust me. It wasn't about the doors. It wasn't about this particular thing. She had tons of incidences where, as far as she was concerned, he didn't trust her. But she kept addressing the issue that ticked her off and not the issue at hand, which was really the trust. And a lot of us do this. <clears throat> it takes a lot of time. You're spending some quality time with you, recognizing, look, this is an argument I see this happening on a regular basis. And what is the real key to this argument? What is it I'm really feeling about this? Is it really the door? Is it really the this? Is it really the that? What is it really that's getting me? And you keep asking yourself, why is this bothering me? And you get an answer and then you answer that question again. Why is this? Why? Why? Until you get to the meat of the matter, the one that really hits your core, that really sends you in and upset and you really feel it. Ooh, I'm getting a pang here. A lot of times, it's, am I significant to you? Do I have certainty with you? Are you supporting my growth? There are lots of key things we need, certainty and uncertainty. Couples break up over boredom. Couples break up over the fact I can't rely on you. Couples break up over significance. Am I significant to you? Do you make me feel loved? And what does making me feel loved look like? Because you may be doing it in the way you think is best, but not the way the partner needs. But before I get off of that, we dealt with faith in your partners. We dealt with, um, what's the other one? Oh, your thoughts and your belief systems. But now I really want us to deal with, watch your arguments. Think of some other arguments you've had. Think of recurring arguments you're having. And check it. You really are not arguing the same things over and over again. What's the crux of it? I found for me, for example, I took on, I do this, other people, what do women do it too? Took on a very masculine role, an emasculated husband, because I never felt like he would capture me if I felt. I never felt like he had my back. I often felt that he'd be the type 
from the other bus if push came to shove. I took my friend. I took on his role and my role. And I gave myself that security I wanted. It also worked against us because it became that this huge wedge between that caused much of the snapping. And a lot of times, this is a, what we are experiencing. You start picking up habits to accommodate this lack that you're feeling, but you aren't actually fixing the lack. You're just putting other things in place that add to the frustration of the lack rather than addressing the lack. And if your partner really can't, it's about how are you going to? Or where can you get it from? But being aware that there's some things technically you don't want to be getting elsewhere, outside of your relationship. But we're not just talking about sex. We're talking about emotional amusement. If you can get all of your emotional needs met by your family, you're going to make your, your partner feel useless. So you, wanna, you want to be very weary of it. But mostly, it is to address it so you can act for it. Because I also found that we have a tendency to think people read your mind. Nobody reads your mind. Nobody's sure about what you want. Actually, we're so absolutely diverse and different. How I process the exact same experience, and you process it, is vastly different. You know this from movies back. From movies to candies to food you like, to food you both don't like. You know this. So if you realize, that we process differently, that we realize it's going to be your job to figure out what's wrong or what part of this is hurting you and then aim to address it. Now, two things. That's nearly useless if you, the other half, doesn't listen. So, how do we get our partners to listen and then? One of the things that I learned or was a theory of a friend of mine that I liked very much. He said, when we argue, always make sure we're hugging or touching affectionately. I don't want to touch him already vexed. And he said, yes, because you think that you're vexed with me. What we are arguing is what we're vexed over. The fact that the point we have, the views we have on this point are different is what we're arguing. Your love for me should never change. I loved that. I really loved support of that, like the fact that we could argue like that. I could say while hugging you how absolutely pissed I was about something he did or how much I felt about something he did and how it hurt or disrespected me or how I felt disrespected during it. And he had time to defend it. He had time to ask me, okay. And a lot of times it comes down to listening. Are we listening effectively? No. We aren't. We're going through the motions and we're moving too fast sometimes. We are stepping back and recognizing, look, I feel disconnected from you. This is time to be addressed. And go to that person and ask for the connection. And something, I know that some of you have been asking. I know that, that many times we're asking, but the person isn't giving you the time because they perceive the conversation in a negative light and are avoiding it. Hence why. Conversations of this nature don't have to be in a negative way. They can be as good as dinner conversations. Invite them out, strike up the conversation, express what you need. And if you hear we're having such a good time and you're spoiling it, 
Acknowledge that that's how they feel. But then ask a specific time when it is good. Mind you, you may never ever get that either. It's all about maturity too. So you gotta realize how important is this? Do you want the demise of the relationship or do you recognize something's wrong and I wanna fix it? Do you recognize that my partner's hurting and as a result I'm giving them the time of day? And if you have no feeling for that, are you really giving yourself enough attention that you have no compassion for someone else's pain? Because we listen simultaneously while thinking. We listen with our objections lined up. Real listening looks more like I say what I'm feeling, you repeat it. I repeat it not because I think you're dumb, not because you, I don't think you understood me. I repeat it to make sure in my own words I'm transmitting this communication correctly. I then ask you, if that's what you're feeling. And what about what I did made you feel like that? And I listen again. And I'm allowed to ask you as well, do you think that that is actually an issue with me? Or do you actually think that is your thinking on the issue? Because that isn't how I saw it, or that is not the intention with which I did it. So that it's back at me to either deal with or at least see another point. The point is, is that how we argue determines our outcome. How we discuss matters of importance like this determines our outcome. And if you see it always as a negative and an argument, you avoid it more and more often. So the picking of your time is essential. Also understanding how my tone, if I talk to you well and back, I never say anything else. So I've got to wait till it cools down. I've got to wait till I actually work out what are the areas of this thing that's bothering me? But more than working it out with you, I gotta work it out with me. So that I'm also finding peace. Because sometimes I might be wanting you to hold me up when you're not in a position to, and it's up to me to really give myself that attention that I'm talking about. Don't complain you have all the work to do when you take on all the work and say yes. If you said no, I have no intention of doing that, I walked away and not act like it was drama, it'd be fine. But you've created so much drama for you saying no, that you have an immense amount of guilt about it. And then that's where the problem comes. But that problem really is your love of you. And how are you going to get back loving you so that you can be more fair in your love of your partner? Many times it comes right down to gotta work on loving yourself first before you try to make your relationship perfect by telling them what they should and should not do and should and should not change. You want real growth? Step back and do your own. I want you to grow? Fine. You're growing in your own playground. And I'm going to stay over here and let you. I'm not going to be up in your face about it. And the things that affect me, yes, I'll mention. But by no stretch of the imagination, you want to go a particular direction. I'm not going to tell you whether it's right or wrong or different. I'm going to tell you, however, how it affects me. I don't want to forget the kids anymore. Okay, so what's your plan for that? I understand why you don't. I understand the timing. I understand how you feel. So how are we, what are we going to do about it? Can we afford that now? Can you give me till? Can you, conversations that say, I understand negotiations. Conversations that say, I don't have to throw my power on you. I don't have to guilt trip you. 
I can have a reasonable conversation with you that really comes out as a win-win situation. And I'm not talking just a win-win using the words. Win-win, like you really are happy when you're done discussing this. And if it comes down to we ain't getting away because I don't want to move from this particular point for my own sake. And I feel that you're taking advantage of it and I'm not prepared to move, which is sometimes how you're going to feel. Then let's not have this conversation now. It can wait. And I'm going to let a little prayer come in between us and fix it so that we can have that conversation at a time that is appropriate. I'm going to wait for the universe and God and everybody else to tell me when to have this conversation. If the ancestors on high can assist, I can wait for it because... This is important to me. That kind of self-love. The kind of self-love that is clear. There's no spite involved. There's no my turn. There's no, I see you do this, I'm doing it. This is a love. I'm finding my way. This is important to me. This is where I'm at. And yes, sometimes that lesson, two lessons are going to happen simultaneously. And again, perjury. And there are always other people that can help and support you when you're going through stuff. It's not the be all, the world's not going to end. You don't have to, nobody's going to die over it. So relax, trust faith, let go sometimes. And I'm like, okay, then start his suffering. Because it actually will. It actually will sort itself out. And you'll be absolutely fine. I know what I've said is a lot to take in. So I'm just going to recap. Have faith. That beautiful person you fell in love with is always there. Always. Sometimes you forget to look at them. Sometimes you forget to remember their beauty. But they're there. You've got to look for every single day. And you've got to be grateful for it. So that it constantly is up in your face. And you don't forget it. Love is work. I don't care what anybody say. Loving yourself is work, never mind loving others. Love is work. Be prepared to do the work. I love you. I love this about you. I love that about you. I'm sure there's things about you don't love. But we're not focus on love. We're going to focus on what I do love. But I'm also going to focus on what I love about me. This is what I know I have. This is what I think is my strength. These are where the areas. Sorry. These are the areas I feel. These are the areas I feel I need support in. These are the areas I'm holding to, and these are the areas I'm working on in myself. The pace at which I work cannot be determined by another individual, so you can't tell me how fast I should work or what. But this is what I know about myself. Yes, there are things you would like to work on, me to work on first, but it's my growth, not yours. So in the meantime, figure out how you're going to put up with the fact that those are not the things I'm changing first. And even if this is not an actual outward conversation, it is a conversation you need to understand from your core. Understand faith. Understand what you think determines how happy you are, not them. What are you thinking about what they did? Do you think it was full of malice? Do you think it was full of I didn't love you? Do you think it, because whatever you think, is what's driving you crazy, not the actual action. So if somebody did something that you thought was pretty stupid, but you thought it came from an absolutely numbskull place, fine, your reaction to it is not the same as when you think that they're out to get you and they're spiteful and they don't like you, they don't care. 
Believe the best about people, even when it's not there. And believe what makes you happy, not necessarily, because you don't have any proof like most things any between. You're never in anybody else's head to tell what they're really at. So then always operate from a place of, all oh, people are good and they need love. Yeah, they don't. They're numbskulls. They're human. So you're not tied up. And thirdly, make sure, right, that you are fulfilling your needs. What is your need? You need for certainty. You need for uncertainty, which is a little bit of adventure. Your need for significance. Your need to grow. Your need for confidence. What is your need? Whatever your need is, try to fix it first. Try to figure out who you can give it to you before you ask anyone else to give it to you. So you can ease them. But watch how you argue. Stick to the point. What is the real issue at hand? What is that reoccurring thing that upsets you? What is that reoccurring thing that's driving you the ledge between you? Address that. And address it from a real place. Is it really the door? Or is it I don't fear you. Trust me or hold me in highest esteem. I think I'm too far down from your totem pole to matter. And I want to be at the top of that totem pole, but I'm not feeling it. And somehow you think you can get the best out of me and I'm all the way down that pole. Address that if that's your issue. If it's you're too unpredictable, I can't find any structure, any certainty, Explain what it is you need to carry. But explain also, those who are being explained to, listen. Not with your mind full of what you think you're coming with. Not with your mind full of history of past. Past doesn't matter. What matters is no. How are you going to make that no count? So you have that conversation. Actually tune in. And do not believe that this person has not no value in their statements. Even if it's vindic. Even if it's a lot of words. Even if it's wrong about. You be patient with it. Because this person is worth it to you. And if they are, it's worth the fight, it's worth the frustration, it's worth all of it. Because at the end of it, there is nothing sweeter than a fantastic relationship running out of air. And you are happy and you are contented and you feel fulfilled. And everybody can have that. It's not as hard as you think. As long as you remember some key things. I control my thinking. And my happiness is really mine to control. I need to take control of it by watching what I think, what I say, how I say it. People get caught up in the hell. I'm, I'm not even going to go there right now because everybody's not a, a word expert. But make sure your sentiments are right. Make sure that you've got the key things that that person's asking you for. Make sure you're listening so you hear what those are. All right. Thank you for another good session. I know it was intense. I know there was a lot in it. But try to take the best out of it. The parts you can use. The parts you didn't agree with or can't. No problem. Each time we get better at things. So it's perfectly okay. But do something. Because relationships are worth saving. And people don't need your judgment. They need your love and acceptance. That's what the key is. Love and acceptance. Have a great week. Hello, hello, hello. Maria Callamore here, personal development coach, um, host of M's Air, the online 
Instagram talk show um, dealing with sex and relationships. But I'm also a personal development coach for anything in finance, entrepreneurship, organization, and efficiency. Today's topic is going to be about how do we make our relationships work? How do you know the difference between changing your partner and helping them grow? Many of us find things about our partner that we don't like. And we want them to change it because it suits us. Because it's what we feel we have the right to. I have the right to have it the way I want. And so my way is right, your way is wrong. And as a result, you should change. That way of thinking actually adds to a great deal of division. Because why are we in a relationship? Because this particular person loves and accepts me. Is that the case when there's so much about me you seem to want to change? And it comes down to, I think a lot of times, faith. Faith that the God that works for me works for you. Faith that you are a unique and beautifully created creature. And as a result... The same way things work for me, they work for you, and the same procedures of how you come to a conclusion, I come to one. And that at the end of it, it will work out for the best, and so I can relax. I think many of us don't have that level of faith. And many of us think that what we're doing is right and the other person's wrong. I mean, I'm talking, but I never realized it like I was near 33. Before I understood that people aren't stupid, people do things differently. I know that I've grown up for years thinking that once out of people are stupid, people have do things differently, and it's based off of their how they grew up, their circumstances, the first lessons they've been taught, or the lessons they took. It's just how you and your brother can be raised in the same house, and so absolutely different. Um, one is very attentive to their mother and the other is like very good at ignoring and once she gets under the skin, the other she never phases. It's it's the different personality, it's the different environment, it's the different, all the different things that make it richly different. But that is a flaw. That is, in many ways, a blessing. Um, that diversity. And it's really about using that diversity to your advantage. It's about understanding that things will be okay and I don't have to be right. I don't. I don't always have to be right. It doesn't always have to be my way. I'm not losing anything in the process. Now, truthfully, you can't get to that level of comfort of knowing that you don't actually know everything and you don't actually understand everything. Your predictions are always the only predictions and you, you don't get there easily. You, you get there after you start spending some time with you and realizing how flawed you are. Many things that people say you should and should not do doesn't necessarily work or sit with you. And so if that is true, then you must understand it's true for others. And often that is, that is where our problem comes. 
we are really good at even understanding ourselves. So because we, we haven't worked on ourselves, we don't actually have compassion and understanding for somebody else. Leaving us rather distraught, leaving us rather, um, this body's hurting you. This person is hurting you. This person is operating from their basis. And you're getting hurt because of how you read it. It's not actually truth. It's not actually they're bad, you're good. It's more of they have a particular system that totally goes against your system. A different operating procedure. You've heard me talk about this before. Than yours. And it's when the two come together and they have no common ground that they clash. But if you had a common ground of even respecting that, look, I don't need to be right. The same operating system that has guided him to or her to this adulthood can take them the right place to. The same way it takes me where I want to go. I have to believe that they have that same power and give them that space. But we don't. We get very nervous and we think, but they're wrong. And if they would only change, what about you? You're in charge of you. You're not in charge of them. So how do you change? How do you change so that it doesn't hurt? And I had to learn this the hard way. I often have to go in and work out that single idea that's really corrupting me and making me upset. So for example, um, it's amazing how you train yourself. For me, Friday evenings were the end of the week. Saturdays are the days of having a hectic day with the kids. Sundays are the day of rest cooking and getting ready for the week. But Friday nights were my nights. And I always wanted me and my husband to do something on Friday nights. And I literally, even without saying or ever communicating now, I always wish it. So there I would be wishing that I would have this amazing Friday night date. And Friday after Friday would come and nothing would happen. I'd be home, we'd fold, I'd fold clothes, I'd watch TV, I'd go to bed early. It was the same routine. And it got me more and more upset that I couldn't get this Friday night date thing going. And it didn't matter that I would say to him or I would ask, you know, can we do something Friday night? It would be the thought that it never got executed that would upset me. And this bugged me. The thing is, is that even after I separated, Friday night still had that same remnants. And I couldn't seem to shake how Friday night I would get this complete low blue feeling. But if everything that I operate on is based off of my belief system or my thoughts, what is it I was thinking? Why did I make Friday night so big? How come I just can't just change it? Well, I then had to find that thing that I was thinking, which is, when I was married, it was the one night my husband had the easiest night as well. As in, he would work the week. He didn't have to go to work on Saturdays. So he'd always have Friday nights easier. And I thought, shucks. If you do something now, it's easier because if you, you're never free, Saturday night's not good for you. Sunday's not going to be great for us because you've got Monday to deal with. But it's Friday night, and that was my thinking. Never communicated it, never worried about it. But there it was, causing me problems. I had to mentally let go of that idea. Any night can be great. 
Hence, I chose myself and the date me. Granted, my letters dating me. But dating me was equally important as if it was someone else dating me. I made the night special because I wanted it to be special. Because that's the night I wanted to honor myself. I wanted to get away from my chores and my responsibilities and being mommy and, <clears throat> and being the caregiver and being the house manager and all those other things. And I took Tuesday nights off. And it really helped that by the time Friday rolled around and I had work Saturday morning, because now I had a new job and I worked Saturdays and Fridays. Working Friday evenings also helped tremendously because it allowed me then to be too busy to think about that thought. But the point was that I needed to honor myself. And the idea was what was killing me, not the reality. It made no difference what day it is, you go on a date. What made a difference was what I was thinking about that day and what precedence I gave that day. What energy I was giving to that day, that time. But really and truly, I can enjoy any time of the week. I can have fun any time of the week. And I can give myself homage any time of the week. Change the idea, you can change the outcome. Many of us are holding on to ideas. Ideas we had, ideas somebody else planted. Because remember, that's a school thing too. Friday nights was school thing. It was a good carry on. None of this was real. None of this was, was so essential that it could change it. It was just my thinking. You can change your thinking. If you can get that right, you generally can ease up a whole host of other things that you're going through. It's your thinking. It's your thinking he's wrong and you're right. It's your thinking she's right. She doesn't know what she's talking about. And so obviously you do know. When we stop thinking... We know both ends of the stick and we're the only ones who have any business. We ease the pressure on the relationship. It's okay. Actually, one simple rule I have. It is better to be happy than to be hurt. And if I find that I'm in an argument and it's getting so intense that I'm feeling a way about it, I back up. Because it is better to be happy than to be hurt. And is this making me happy? It's not. No. So you know what? I'm going to leave this. It's okay. Um, whatever you think on it is fine by me, and then whatever comes of it, I can accept. Because it can't be that important that we need to fall disagree over it. I also think that often when we argue, we argue really on surface issues, and we miss what the real issue is. So sometimes you're holding on a point that really isn't about the point really to get back at another thing that you feel niggling about, another resentment, another area that you feel that you had, you've been hurt on, and you, you didn't get a chance to express it efficiently or whatever else. And we hold on to a point and we pick at the most seemingly trivial things and blow it into proportion of bigness when it really comes down to the same key things over and over again. I remember one of the first things when we were getting into marriage and relationships and studying. One of the first things we came across was a therapist that was saying, your first argument is always your argument. It's the same argument, repeated differently, with different subjects for you. But it really comes down to, you're my partner. I love you. And these, 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 these points are great. But in this area, you don't fulfill my need. 
how did that problem happen? Because a lot of times you don't, you can't, you haven't stopped to work at what that need is. I have a girlfriend who complained about her husband buying a new car and he not letting her drive it. And how irritated and insulted she was that he wouldn't lend her the car to go do something for the house. And she wanted to pick up the doors. And she said, this would be a lot easier if you just lend me the van. And he said, no, I don't want you driving with that. And she was upset saying that the doors were important and how he could pay. But it really came down to was, you don't trust me with material stuff? I mean, it's a door. It's a car. It's not, it's not as important as us. Why is it you don't trust me? And trust was an issue with them on numerous levels. And it kept coming back up. You don't trust me. It wasn't about the doors. It wasn't about this particular thing. She had tons of incidences there, as far as she was concerned. He didn't trust her. But she kept addressing the issue that ticked her off and not the issue at hand, which was really the trust. And a lot of us do this. <clears throat> it takes a lot of time. You're spending some quality time with you, recognizing, look, this is an argument I see this happening on a regular basis. So what is the real key to this argument. What is it I'm really feeling about this? Is it really the door? Is it really the this? Is it really the that? What is it really that's getting me? And you keep asking yourself, why is this bothering me? And you get that and then you answer that question again, why is this? Why? Why? Until you get to the meat of the matter, the one that really hits your core, that really sends you in an upset and you really feel it, ooh, I'm getting a pang here. A lot of times, it's, am I significant to you? Do I have certainty with you? Are you supporting my growth? There are lots of key things we need, certainty and uncertainty. Couples break up over boredom. The couples break up over the fact I can't rely on you. Couples break up over significance. Am I significant to you? Do you make me feel loved? And what does making me feel loved look like? Because you may be doing it in the way you think is best, but not the way the partner needs. But before I get off of that, and we dealt with faith in your partners, we dealt with um, was there about? Oh, your thoughts and your belief systems. But now I really want us to deal with, watch your arguments. Think of some other arguments you've had. Think of recurring arguments you're having. And check in. You really are not arguing the same things over and over again. What's the crux of it? I found for me, for example, I took on... I do this, other people, other women do it too. It's a kind of a masculine role. And emasculated husband because I never felt like he would capture me if I felt. I never felt like he had my back. I often felt that he'd be the type to throw me under a bus if push came to shove. And to buffer it, I took on his role and my role, and I gave myself that security I wanted. 
It also worked against us because it became that this huge wedge between that caused much of the snapping. And a lot of times, this is what we are experiencing. You start picking up habits to accommodate this lack that you're feeling, but you aren't actually fixing the lack. You're just putting other things in place that add to the frustration of the lack, rather than addressing the lack. And if your partner really can't, it's about how are you going to? Or where can you get it from? But being aware that there's some things technically you don't want to be getting elsewhere, out of sight of your relationship. But we're not just talking about sex. We're talking about emotional needs met. If you can get all of your emotional needs met by your family, you're going to make your, your partner feel useless. So you, wanna, you want to be very wary of it. But mostly it is to address it so you can act for it. Because I also found that we have a tendency to think people read your mind. Nobody reads your mind. Nobody's sure about what you want. Actually, we're so absolutely diverse and different. How I process the exact same experience and you process it is vastly different. You know this from movies back. From movies to candies to food you like, to food you both don't like. You know this. So if you realize that we process differently, then we realize it's going to be your job to figure out what's wrong and what part of this is hurting you and then aim to address it. Now, two things. That's nearly useless if you, the other half, doesn't listen. So, how do we get our partners to listen and then? One of the things that I learned, or was a theory of a friend of mine that I liked very much, he said, when we argue, always make sure we're hugging or touching affectionately. And I said, I don't want to touch him already vexed. And he said, yes, because you think that you're vexed with me. What we are arguing is what we're vexed over. The fact that the point we have, the views we have on this point are different is what we're arguing. Your love for me should never change. I loved that. I really loved, I supported that. Like, the fact that we could argue like that. I could say while hugging him, how absolutely pissed I was about something he did, or how much I felt about something he did how it hurt or disrespected me, or how I felt disrespected during it. And he had time to defend it. He had time to ask me, okay. And a lot of times it comes down to listening. Are we listening effectively? No, we aren't. We're going through the motions and we're moving too fast and we are stepping back and recognizing, look, I feel disconnected from you. This is time to be addressed. And go to that person and ask for the connection. And something, I know that some of you have been asking. I know that, that many times we're asking, but the person isn't giving you the time because they perceive the conversation in a negative light and are avoiding it. Hence why conversations of this nature don't have to be in a negative light. They can be as good as dinner conversation. Invite them out, strike up the conversation, express what you need. And if you hear we're having such a good time and you're spoiling it, acknowledge that that's how they feel, but then ask for a specific time when it was good. Mind you, you may never ever get that either. It's all about maturity too. So you gotta realize how important is this? 
Do you want to demise in the relationship or do you recognize something's wrong and I want to fix it? Do you recognize that my partner's hurting and as a result I'm giving them the time of day? And if you have no feeling for that, are you really giving yourself enough attention that you have no compassion for someone else's pain? Because we listen simultaneously while thinking. We listen with our objections lined up. Real listening looks more like I say what I'm feeling, you repeat it. I repeat it not because I think you're dumb, not because you, I don't think you understood me. I repeat it to make sure in my own words I'm transmitting this communication correctly. I then ask you if that's what you're feeling. And what about what I did made you feel like that? And I listen again. And I'm allowed to ask you as well. Do you think that that is actually an issue with me? Or do you actually think that is your thinking on the issue? Because that isn't how I saw it, or that is not the intention with which I did it. So that it's back at me to either deal with or at least see another point. The point is, is that how we argue determines our outcome. How we discuss matters of importance like this determines our outcome. And if you see it always as a negative and an argument, you avoid it more and more often. So the picking up your time is essential. Also understanding how oh, my tone. If I talk to you while I'm back, I never say anything else. So I've got to wait till I cool down. I've got to wait till I actually work out what are the areas of this thing that's bothering me. But more than working it out with you, I've got to work it out with me. So that I'm also finding peace. Because sometimes I might be wanting you to hold me up when you're not in a position to, and it's up to me to really give myself that attention that I'm talking about. Don't complain you have all the work to do when you take on all the work and say yes. If you said no, I have no intention of doing that, I walked away and not act like it was drama, it'd be fine. But you've created so much drama for you saying no, that you have an immense amount of guilt about it. And then that's where the problem comes. But that problem really, is your love of you. And how are you going to get back loving you so that you can be more fair in your love of your partner? Many times it comes right down to you've got to work on loving yourself first before you try to make your relationship perfect by telling them what they should and should not do and should and should not change. You want real growth? Step back and do your own. I want you to grow, fine. But you're growing in your own playroom. And I'm going to stay over here and let you. I'm not going to be up in your face about it. And the things that affect me, yes, I'll mention. But by no stretch of the imagination, you want to go a particular direction. I'm not going to tell you whether it's right or wrong or different. I'm going to tell you, however, how it affects me. I don't want to forget the kids anymore. Okay, so what's your plan for that? I understand why you don't. I understand the timing. I understand how you feel. So how are we, what are we going to do about it? Can we afford that now? Can you give me tell? Can you, conversations that say, I understand negotiations. Conversations that say, I don't have to throw my power on you. I don't have to guilt trip you. I can have a reasonable conversation with you that really comes out as a win-win situation. And I'm not talking just a win-win using the words. Win-win, like you really are happy when you're done discussing this. And if it comes down to 
we ain't getting away because I don't want to move from this particular point for my own sake. And I feel that you're taking advantage of it and I'm not prepared to move, which is sometimes how you're going to feel. And let's not have this conversation now. It can wait. And I'm going to let a little prayer come in between us and fix it so that we can have that conversation at a time that is appropriate. I'm going to wait for the universe and God and everybody else to tell me when to have this conversation. If the ancestors on high can assist, I can wait for it because this is important to me. That kind of self-love. The kind of self-love that is clear. There's no spite involved. There's no my turn. There's no, I see you do this, I'm doing it. This is a, look, I'm finding my way. This is important to me. This is where I'm at. And yes, sometimes that lesson, two lessons are going to happen simultaneously. And again, prayer real. And there are always other people that can help and support you when you're going through stuff. It's not the be all. The world's not going to end. You don't have to, nobody's going to die over it. So relax, trust faith, let go sometimes. And I'm like, okay, then start his suffer. Because it actually will. It actually will sort itself out. And you'll be absolutely fine. I know what I've said is a lot to take in. So I'm just going to recap. Have faith. That beautiful person you fell in love with is always there. Always. Sometimes you forget to look at them. Sometimes you forget to remember their beauty. But they're there. You've got to look for every single day. And you've got to be grateful for it. So that it constantly is up in your face. And you don't forget it. Love is work. I don't care what nobody say. Loving yourself is work. Never mind loving others. Love is work. Be prepared to do the work. I love you. I love this about you. I love that about you. Let me show you the things about you. I don't love the rest. I'll focus on it. I'm going to focus on what I do love. But I'm also going to focus on what I love about me. This is what I know I have. This is what I think is my strength. These are where the areas... Sorry. These are the areas I feel... These are the areas I feel I need supporting. These are the areas I'm holding to. And these are the areas I'm working on in myself. The pace at which I work cannot be determined by another individual, so you can't tell me how fast I should work or what. But this is what I know about myself. Yes, there are things you would like to work on, me to work on first, but it's my growth, not yours. So in the meantime, figure out how you're going to put up with the fact that those are not the things I'm changing first. And even if this is not an actual outward conversation, it is a conversation you need to understand from your core. Understand for you. Understand what you think determines how happy you are, not them. What are you thinking about what they did? Do you think it was full of malice? Do you think it was full of I didn't love you? Do you think it, because whatever you think is what's driving you crazy, not the actual action. So if somebody did something that you thought was pretty stupid, but you thought it came from an absolutely numbskull place, your reaction to it is not the same as when you think that they have, they're out to get you and they're spiteful and they don't like you. They don't believe the best about people, even when it's not there. And believe what makes you happy 
not necessarily because you don't have any proof like most things in between. You're never in anybody else's head to tell what they're really acting for. So they always operate from a place of all people are good and they need love. Yeah, they don't. They're numbskulls. They're human. So you're not tied up. And thirdly, make sure, right, that you are fulfilling your needs. What is your need? You need for certainty? You need for uncertainty, which is a little bit of adventure. Your need for significance. Your need to grow. Your need for confidence. What is your need? Whatever your need is, try to fix it first. Try to figure out where you can give it to you before you ask anyone else to give it to you. So you can ease them. But watch how you argue. Stick to the point. What is the real issue at hand? What is that reoccurring thing that upsets you? What is that reoccurring thing that's driving you, the ledge between you? Address that. And address it from a real place. Is it really the door? Or is it, I don't feel you trust me or hold me in highest esteem. I think I'm too far down from your totem pole to matter. And I want to be at the top of that totem pole, but I'm not feeling it. And somehow, you think you can get the best out of me, and I'm all the way down that pole. Address that, if that's your issue. If it's, you're too unpredictable, I can't find any structure, any certainty, explain what it is you need to carry. But explain also, those who are being explained to, listen. Not with your mind full of what you think you're coming with. Not with your mind full of history of past. Past doesn't matter. What matters is now. How are you going to make that now count? So you have that conversation. Actually tune in. And do not believe that this person has not no value in their statements. Even if it's winded. Even if it's a lot of words. Even if it's wrong about. You be patient with it. Because this person is worth it to you. And if there are, it's worth the fight, it's worth the frustration, it's worth all of it. Because at the end of it, there is nothing sweeter than a fantastic relationship running out of air. And you are happy and you are contented and you feel fulfilled. And everybody can have that. It's not as hard as you think. As long as you remember some key things. I control my thinking. And my happiness is really mine to control. I need to take control of it. They're watching what I think, what I say, how I say. People get caught up in the hell. I'm, I'm not even going to go there right now because everybody's not a, a word expert. But make sure your sentiments are right. Make sure that you've got the key things that that person's asking you for. Make sure you're listening so you hear what those are. All right. Thank you for another good session. I know it was intense. I know there was a lot in it. But try to take the best out of it. The parts you can use. The parts you didn't agree with or can't. No problem. Each time you get better at things. So it's perfectly okay. But do something because relationships are worth saving. And people don't need your judgment. They need your love and acceptance. That's what the key is. Love and acceptance. Have a great week. Hello, hello, hello. Maria Cullum here, um, personal development coach and host of M's Air, a talk show on sex and relationship on Wednesday night, 7.30 on Instagram Live.
Eastern, at 7.30 Eastern. Um, and the reason that we have the show is basically so people can have happier, fuller lives and um, grow, grow completely. We really want to grow. Relationship is one of the best ways and sex is one of the best ways to get a spiritual high. And so I think both you should be wonders with and you should have fantastic ones, fantastic sex and fantastic relationship. And hence why we are having this conversation. This show is mainly for adults, but Emsir is also doing a teenage one called ATM. Also, we will be having workshops, so listen up for those people to really get active. So I know people listen and people will think about it, but you know, until you do, sometimes an intensive or somebody insisting you do some of this work, you tend not to. So you're going to know a lot of great information, but you tend not to do. And I want people to get past just listening, listening to good podcasts, listening to good stories, listening, reading great articles and get into doing. Because as great as that is, that information often will flip up sometimes in your memory, but you aren't using it and you're often not forcing yourself to do the things that are gonna make your life better. And especially people who are in tenuous relationships where it looks like you're on your way out, you gotta put in the work. You're gonna to have to put in the work because you know divorce is expensive. And on top of that, you're, this is the person you used to love. You probably still love them. You've just forgotten your ways on how to and you've put up enough barriers and emotional baggage that you have not been able to, you feel that you can't get back to who you are, but a human capacity is endless and you can. And if you want to, and if you're willing to do the work, you can get an amazing relationship with that person you thought you had no hope. And if I hadn't seen it a few th times, I would not believe it, but I do believe it and I've seen it and I've seen beautiful, beautiful relationships that are still going because the work was put in. And so, and I don't mean on the half, I talk about awesome relationships. And so you can have that, they're out there, don't mind the things you only hear problems on TV. TV focuses on what gets drama, what gets your attention. But the reality is there are some amazing relationships out there and you can have them too. You just got to do the work. So let's get into emotional hygiene. The reason that we're discussing emotional hygiene mostly is because it's so important. No one ever taught us maybe how to do it, but it's something we need to practice doing in order to feel better about who we are and the circumstances that we get under. But sometimes things happen to us. And what we do is we build up a wall and we say, I'm never doing that again, or I'm never gonna have that experience again. And what we're saying to you here is, don't shut yourself off. Don't box yourself in and believe this stuff. There's always another way, but you gotta be a little vulnerable. You gotta be willing to get a little embarrassed. You gotta be willing for it to hurt a little and push through the hurt. You gotta be willing that it's uncomfortable, but at the end of it, the result is so amazing, but you're gonna 
get from it is so amazing that you want to do it. So, all it is is that you're going to have to learn how to tend to the cut you had inside, the emotional cut you had. And we've not been dealing with them, so they're probably full of pus. You've probably peeled off, this, peeled off the scab and let it reheal again, and it's still full of pus. And you need to get all of that pus out. And I'm being very gross. I apologize. But my point is, you know, that's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to work at it. And so, what do I mean by being vulnerable? Vulnerable is, um, I have definitions. What I know it means is pressing through, asking that question you wanted to ask, even if it means you may get no, because you may get yes. There's a 50-50% chance. There's no one more than the next. So, you want to ask that question regardless. You want to, like I said, despite whatever you want to ask, you want to know. You, you, you got to be bolder about you. And you got to fight for you. So even when you get into an argument with your partner, when you normally, just at the point it gets uncomfortable, you storm off, it's about you holding that ground and going, okay, what is it I'm hearing you say? What is it? What is it this complaint is about? Or, I'm too emotional to finish this now, but it's important and I want, I'm going to come back at it because I'm hurting so much in the middle of it, but I got to get to the end so that I'm fine. So, being vulnerable to me is allowing yourself to feel all that you could feel in the circumstance. Even if it's negative, even if it's gritty, even if it's uncomfortable. But knowing could just as easily be positive, fantastic, and one more reason to bond. I remember when I was in my own relationship, um, I'd learned that anytime, this was, a, this was a belief system I had, and that worked, anytime my husband was getting on my nerves, he was just irritating me, and, and everything about him was sickening, it was often an indication that I was going through a growth spurt because we were either meeting something that I was terrified of, something I was uncomfortable with, something that I was unsure how to handle, and then he would be the center of my focus, and he would be all about he's this, he's that, and he's next, and he's the third, and I started to realize it when I saw and said, "Can stop." This has nothing to do with this man. This is this is you. Frightened, and you're taking on your loved one. And even though sometimes I see it when the kids, but I, maybe you see me snapping and whatever. And I've got one of those scenarios, those underlying emotional things going on. Where I'm frightened of an experience. I'm unsure of a circumstance. I'm in limbo, and I'm taking it out on the people around me. And then I recognize it because knowing is acknowledgement half of it. At the point you acknowledge it, you cannot fix it. Because you can always say, okay, let me surrender to this. Right? And I know that sounds weird, but surrendering really does help. Or you can say to yourself, stop. You know, what are you doing? This is not the real issue. Let's face the real issue. But you got to practice that. Because 
truthful to you. And then you start to get more truthful with yourself. Your world just automatically gets better because you grow all these other virtues in that one process. I tell people, I'm not worried about if you tell others lies. I'm worried when you tell yourself lies. Because anytime you're lying to yourself, you're going to cause X number of emotional drama. And let's go to that. Emotions. What are emotions? So, emotions are really thoughts. And thoughts are really energy. Hence why you talk about good vibrations, bad vibrations. If you're having, what happens is, you have so many, so many thoughts going through your head. And they travel at speeds we could not even recognize. And as a result, immediately, your mind just concentrates them in certain amounts certain concentration of them gives you certain feelings. So you, you talk about things not feeling good or they're, you know, you're uncomfortable. You, you know, you weren't mad, but something just didn't bother you or thoughts. And that's all they are. Which means they also can be changed, but we're not going to get to that. Your subconscious in any given day takes in 100% of a scene. You and your mind can only track 40% of that 100% that your universe is taking in. Right? Your subconscious literally takes in all sorts of stuff you can't even begin to understand. So it's like a filter. Your mind is a filter which is hiding out a lot of flaws, a lot of other stuff. It's amazing. But because your mind taking it in it's processing it nonetheless so your subconscious is there processing it in all kinds of ways hence we talk about emotions so you get then i'm happy i'm sad i'm worried i'm i'm frightened and you know it just peaks in different amounts these vibrations and hence then we label them and give them names and we like the ones where we're up on top and we don't like the ones where we're down at the bottom but they're vibrations that's all they are and they're just thoughts and they've got a lot of power and they have a purpose. Their purpose is always as a guidance system. Their purpose is to guide you. Your job, your, your whole reason for emotions is it's a guide of whether you're on course with who you are and what you want or you're off course with who you are and what you want. Hence why the point about truth being so important. Because the more true you are to yourself, the better the guidance system works. So you may be constantly unhappy for the mere fact there's a consistent light you keep telling it. But listen to how lights work with your, your mind, your brain, your whatever. Lights work because the lights are lights work as a result of whatever you put in your subconscious as a belief. When we were children, there were lots of things when we were first observing. People were telling us and we were believing. So our belief system, the core of our belief system comes from someone else, societally. So you have a lot of belief systems that are in there that are locked from before you started your reasoning, which would have happened at seven or eight. So there tends to be a lot of stuff in there that isn't yours. It's 
belief system someone else planted. So, for example, if you believe, and, and belief systems work based on someone of authority, repeti repetitiveness, whatever, the different ways belief systems get locked in. The point I'm making about the belief system is they can be changed. They create your perspective, but you can change them. You can go back in and change some of the belief systems that are hurting you. So, for example, I was explaining to my girlfriend. She was saying um, something about, talking about her sex life. And then she was saying that the person, what was it she said? Right. She's talking about her sex life and she was saying, oh, I didn't let my husband do that because he's not to think I'm a whore. I thought to myself, what? Okay. Stop locking yourself in to things that aren't. It was her belief system. If she did certain things, if she was too open to him, if she just, um, if she responded to him when he wanted in a particular way, she'd be a whore. So right there, that was affecting their sex life and them. Because here it is, he wants to have this experience with his wife, but she can't have it because doing that would make her whole. Again, why I always talk about judgment. Watch the things you tell yourself or you let society tell you. You've got to process for you. You've got to do your own independent processing because many things you don't actually believe. What makes someone a whore? The other day I was explaining to someone culturally, where um, people say things like, um, I don't want no man to think I want him for his money. My sentiment was, why is that even a subject? So what if you wanted him for his money, along with his good looks, his personality, his, they're a package sometimes. And as a result, if you like the package, then you like him for all that he is, inclusive of his success with his money. On top of that, if you believe that a woman who likes a man, what is, what is the term they call? Gold digger? There you go. If you believe that a woman who likes a man for his money and, and her Gucci bag and so she can buy her fancy clothes and get her hair and thing did and look awesome, but the man likes a woman who looks like that and is willing to pay that money in advance, how is she a gold digger? And is it not, are you still not a gold digger if you want him to pay for college, a university, and a mortgage. They're two different gold diggers. They're two different focuses then. That's all it is. And should we not stop labeling? Because what the hell? People go after what they want, go are the length of their vision. You know? I'm not going to ask you for a house and a mortgage if that's not something that I think I need or I'm interested in. I'm going to ask for what I'm interested in. So one's not better than the next. We're not in competition. We just have different goals. So we get tied into these belief systems that then control our whole lives. So imagine you're not going to approach a guy with money or let him carry you out or let him do stuff for you because you don't want him to think. What is that about? As a matter of fact, you're thinking about it. Makes it, it's, it's an issue, right? So then face it, are you a gold digger or are you not?
Do you only want it for a minute? Or does this money still help in the process of your dating? Maybe as simple as that. I can't date someone who can't come for me because I live so far off. I need that to be a part of our consistently seeing each other. Doesn't add to the stress. Sometimes things are just as cut and dry as that. We keep adding on and we keep making judgments and we keep boxing ourselves in that then become prisons. But we're not getting into that today. We're getting into emotional hygiene. How we gotta remove the belief system in order to free us from some of the things that make us unhappy and drive us crazy. So imagine you've got this huge block stopping you from even being, you can't get to your true sexual virility if you so believe that certain things are taboo. So imagine you can't have oral sex with your husband because you believe oral sex is nasty. You're not going to try it. It means you're not going to do it. It means he then can't express himself to you to act or to try it on you because you believe it's nasty. And you're so stuck in that belief that now you're creating a wall and you're avoiding sex every time because you don't want to try this one experience. One, there's 10,000 other great things you can do if that's gonna be your thing. And two, you gotta get more open-minded because right there, if you believe sex is art, then you can't be just putting lines on it. This isn't a, a, a architectural drawing that has line and structure. You can't go here, you can't measure there, it has to be equal. It's not, it's a piece of art. That paintbrush is supposed to be able to go anywhere and it's supposed to be able to do all kinds of things. So if you're limiting it automatically, you're gonna create issues. I also am always warning people against saying things in sex that pretty much not only box you in, it judges your partner right off the bat. Like things that your people say, oh, you do a lot of nastiness. What is that? Is that not saying you're judging your partner? You don't want to judge a partner. Well, if you're judging them, if they're going to not feel accepted, you're going to right away be putting things in place that interrupts your partner being able to share freely with you. Why do we like people? We like the people we can share with, share freely with, and feel safe in who we are. We don't want somebody who judges us. We don't want somebody who thinks we're lesser than. And so as a result, they talk down to us because they have now, you know, they're beyond that. Not us. Stop judging things you do. Stop judging sex. Stop judging what you're doing in it. Did, did God put any sort of ramifications? Is there a law book? that you came across that nobody else has read? Well, if that's the case, don't do it to your partner. It's not fair to them. It's unkind and it's unkind to you. And you don't want to be judged. Just say, look, you have an issue that I don't have. And you're working with yours the same I'm working with mine. And I have no judgment on yours. Just like I don't want you to have one on mine. But we know we're working on it. And then the subject. I remember, you know, being in a relationship and judging my partner because they used to watch porn. And I never used to. And I, then it clicked to me, look, look at 
can't determine where somebody is to grow, what direction or what time. It's not up to you. It's up to them. It's a personal journey. And if that gets them, uh, that's a long story, but you understand my point. Let's get back to this. Once you understand what your emotions are, once you understand that it comes from your subconscious thought and your belief system, and anytime you're off your belief system, your body's just going to be, your, your emotions are just going to guide you back. Hey, 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 we said we wanted this. This is, this is going off course. I'm unhappy because you're going off course. And I'm making sure it's so uncomfortable you don't keep going that direction. That's not what you said you wanted. So let's get back on course. But you know that your course is slightly changed. For whatever reason, you're willing to do new things or you want to go in a new direction, then you've got to change some of your belief systems. You've got to go in there and remove some of those old judgment statements that you put in place, that you live by, that are now killing you. And I, I say don't judge because whenever you get into the circumstance that you are, you are highly offended and hurt. And sometimes then you're lost because you don't know how come you're here. So be very careful with your judgments because they come back to torture you in your emotional state, creating lots of emotional baggage. And then you got a lot more work to do. So you don't want to do the work. So let's talk about how do we control emotions. We control emotions. It's practice. Um, some people have transformations, but stating that a lot of it is, is real practice that you really need to do. And so, tears. When you're upset and you cry, Men hate to hear women crying all the time, but they're dealing with their emotions. And what it is is, tears fix emotional pains without words. And they're pains that you could not verbally express. You can't, and often they're a mix of things, so they're not even one. They're sometimes a mix of disappointment, with hurt, with, with a bit of stress, with a bit of, so, so they're all jumbled up. When you cry, tears have a way of removing all that pressure, all those things, without any sort of words. You don't have to filter through them, you don't have to go through them, whatever. Tears just soothes them and bring you back to some sort of normalcy or at least manageable pain. And you know, God is so amazing in his design of us. I mean, technically our mechanics is downright flawless. It's, whew, I can never get over how there's always a backup system. So, you're not the type who can rationalize it out. Tears really, really help. And you can learn to rationalize it out after you practice. But you know, sometimes we also have to use, um, I like to use words for the purpose. I don't, people give words a lot of power, but for me, I use them to differentiate. So they're grades. If, if you could count emotionally where you're at. So let's say I put, whenever I'm happy, I'm like at 100. Whenever I'm ecstatic, anything up in there. Whenever I'm, I'm super grateful and appreciative of all around me, I'm probably 150. But then 
find their things underneath that and they come down in segments and sectors and like a couple 70, 80. The reason I went straight to 100 is because there's so many emotions. Um, and there's a few there at the top and there's, they keep coming down. The different words we have for them are like the different numbering systems for our emotional state or our vibrational state. So, you either 100, I'm about a 75, I'm about a 30, I'm about a, you know, sometimes you're going to fluctuate in these different numbers. And the words that we use then just help explain that. So I'm feeling joy or I'm feeling great disappointment. Is my disappointment coming with resentment and apathy? Sometimes. So then I want to address that. Is it coming with, uh, do it, have I gotten to loathing? Have I gotten as far as, um, that's the one that I really, you really need to be scared of because people think the opposite of love is hate, but they tell people, no, no, no. When you get to this stage where you have a cable, um, I, I can't remember the word for it right now, but yeah, when you get there, that's the scary one. That's the one where <laughs> you're coming back out of a well. It's so bad. I don't care if you exist. I don't care what happens to you. I am completely without emotion for you. That's to me the end of a relationship. And um, it's not that you can never be compassionate to them. Or it's just you feel like the ladder to climb would be too hard a journey. And you're past the point where you're willing to work at that ladder and take it back up. And sometimes we get there. Sometimes we get there because we know none of this. And turning back would be pointless because now we're on two different paths anyway. So there are those emotions. And you got to learn then to use your words to find the one that matches. Or your number system. To find the one that matches where you're at. And then figure out how to take that vibration higher. So people talk about thinking positively or negative, and I always tell people, that's so confusing. What does that mean? What does it mean? So this is where, and let me just say this because people have this regularly. Something happens to you, and you're upset. And people say, well, think positively. And you immediately go to, all right, this is not happening. I can't handle this, yada, yada, yada. No, because then you're missing the truth of how you're going to get the virtues, how you're going to get camp again, how you can actually feel better. Acknowledgement is where I like to start. This is crap. I feel like crap. I'm really upset. Good thing, however, is I know now what I didn't know before. One increment higher. It could have been worse, and it happened at a good time. Two increments higher. Disappointed, you know. Uh, this is more reflection on the person that did this than this is on me. And it's sad where they're at. But at least I don't feel like I deserved it or that this is where I am at. Each time you're moving up a few increments. That's positive thinking. Not jumping a mile away. Lifting yourself, stroke by stroke. Till you are at comfortable, till you're back up to, all right, I can throw this. I can, I've got enough points above where this makes me feel that I'm okay with it, that I'm, I'm going to be fine. But 
jumping. It's just lying to yourself. So you never want to start at lying to yourself. Sometimes you gotta surrender to something. And people, what? You, what, what? How do you do that? I don't even understand what that means. Trust me, the first time someone said that to me, I wanted to kill them because what the frick does that mean? I've worked out what it means. For one, I, I always think I need to be happy and I'm a generally cheerful, let no foolishness, laugh enough kind of person. But there are times when something does hit me hard or an emotion floats across me and it might be a memory muscle that I am not mentally connecting with but it's there for my body. My body knows it, my, my subconscious is aware of it, and it's mourning it, right? And I'm just having to deal with it. And I can't get it lifted. And I've gotta not fight with it. I've gotta just surrender by going, oh, feeling blue, and allow it. Just gonna let that. Because what you need to understand about those emotions, that their thoughts, that their energy and vibration, suppressing them, is worse for you to me than letting them out. Yes, you can't take back the words that you've said, but venting for me helps. As in, all that energy, all those thoughts that are driving me crazy that are flowing around in my head, if I sometimes let them out, even from the point of view of just understanding all of some of them that are scaring me so much, if I hear them, I can better address them. Hence why tapping works so nicely for that. Um, <clears throat> I tried tapping. I couldn't teach it, but it's a method you can check out online. It's very popular. Lots of people do it, and lots of people show you online how to do it. And it has to do with touching your meridian spots. It's a science beyond um, the level I'm at. So let's just say it's not my forte, but it is something I try. What I loved about it was, when you had to talk all the time for the whole time you're tapping and talk to yourself and what were you saying to yourself? It was amazing what I hear myself say or what are some of my fears. And some of them aren't even real fears. It's like when I was explaining to a guy about when a wife runs, she needs to come to grips with all the crazy that's going on in her head, especially when jealousy is real. She's got to deal with all that crazy. If it stays inside, she gets resentful, she gets even worse. But if you let her talk out, what's the craziness that's going on in your head? I have no proof. It's not even real. But I need to say, this is how I feel. And let her, and let her say that, understanding that this is the madness going on in her head. And it's not something for you to interrupt with. But she needs to express that madness because it's driving her crazy. But all it is, is all the thoughts that just crossed her mind in that one instance where she thought she saw you do something or where she believes you're in another relationship or where she thinks you're giving someone else her attention. You let her express it and then you say, right, how much of that was true? Now, that's a total different thing. Oh, well, a lot of it I don't think was true, but it was my thinking. Great. Now that you know that half of it isn't true, that we have less to worry about. But is there any particular part of it that I want you, do you want me to address? Because to her, in that moment, those thoughts are real. But they're not. They're just thoughts. Whatever you give energy to, especially in the direction you give the energy to, you can get extra thoughts on. So if I believe that my husband is having an affair online with a French teacher because I saw him sign up, it doesn't matter that there are 10,000 other possibilities. I'm only focused on the one I'm 
and we feed it. Oh my God, we feed it. And then we find a belief system of all the proof. And I'm not saying that your intuition is not real. I'm saying, have you been training your intuition to be real? Are you a custom blinder? Are you coming up with stuff that you're uncomfortable with you haven't actually faced before? And we do this. We all do this. And this is not a woman thing. I'm just saying women tend to need to talk about it more than men. Men tend to lock into a belief system and then hold your tape, even when it was grown, and none of it makes sense. But, you know, that's just a, again, we're socialized, so men don't, don't deal with the expression early because they're, they're called all kinds of names when they do, which is wrong again, and we make us our judgment. So then they tend to just handle stuff or ignore it. So that I just, just I'm not going to think about it. But they're better at that. I'm not going to think about it, which is a good place because it doesn't fester like it can when you do think about it. Right? So remember, you have that option. So you can learn to tap and talk about all that you're feeling. And I used to tell people, I used to rant before my husband got home about oh, the things he did that would drive me crazy. So when he got home, I was good. I, was, I would be vexed. And I would have a conversation with myself and I would go through all the crazy thoughts that I'm having and then I go, right? I don't need to express any of those to him, but at least I got it off my chest. And I was good with that one. You gotta remove some of these belief systems as we talked about before. I'm gonna repeat again. You gotta remove those belief systems. You gotta check yourself. What am I believing? What am I thinking right now that's causing me this pain? If I adjust my thinking on this, I'll adjust with it. It's like when you believe if a fella doesn't call me, he doesn't value me, he doesn't like me. Oh, uh, contrary. Maybe he thinks I don't need a caller. We're good. We're, we're in a good place. Why do we we don't need to have that constant? interaction and they look how we feel like whereas the woman at home is driving her crazy because of her belief system we're in a relationship buddy you call me daily i need to hear you on a regular basis one thought drives us crazy one simple adjustment soothes us gotta work out what's gonna soothe you you gotta get belief systems that soothe you things like People don't treat you well. People are. People do things that reflect how they think. It's not about you. So when someone cusses you out, it's often they're venting and they're upset and having a whole lot of emotion and they need to say all of it and you just gotta go, okay, that's at them. And I thank the Lord that I have some good friends who, when they catch me ranting, nips it in the bud and helps me get through it. But, you know, I pray for them, so I'm grateful that they're in my life, whatever. Okay, this is going to sound weird, but you got to go in and give yourself lots of love and attention. And I know what, go in where? Inside yourself. Spend some quality time with you. And it's, it's not exactly, you know, people meditate to do it, and I love the meditation to do it. I have one that takes you within, and you can see your inner child. And you can apologize to her for all the times you didn't defend him or her, for all the times you were cruel to them, for all the times you didn't know better. And you can make that work for you. Right? So, go with it. Take that time, take a quiet moment, go in and just act that you're speaking to your younger self. The times you let people take advantage of you. The times when 
know how to deal with something, the times when you saw something and did nothing because you felt powerless and the guilt then that you carried with that, that you're willing to let go because you didn't know better. You got to go in and do some forgiveness work. That's, that's the long and short of that. And I know there's, there's the, one of the, the podcasts will be on forgiveness, how to deal with that. But you got to go in and face you and apologize. A lot of times I tell women, especially those who've been molested, you not only have to go in and apologize because that thing happened and I'm not, I know it's painful, I know it's hard, but what's hardest and painful is the rehashing of it. You got to take power over it. The thing about forgiveness is every time you replay it, you give that person power. And on top of that, it's no good for you. So you got to acknowledge it happened, but it didn't define you. And what I keep telling people or I want people to remember is, look, that is a bird in my sky, but I'm the sky. So see how much bigger you are than that bird. And if you should give that person the prominence of a flying dragon or a tiny sparrow in your world, because they don't deserve even that. It should be a speck of dust, like a raindrop that passed. You don't have any more control over me. What you did as ugly as it is will not define the life I have. You have stolen enough of it and I'm not letting you steal another moment more. But we're going to that when we're dealing with forgiveness and really going, dealing with some of our emotional hygiene that we really want results because so many women I know are limited by that experience and stuck there. And as ugly as that experience was, it's over. And you replaying it makes you relive it every time. And you deserve better. Don't torture yourself like that. And don't give them that much power. They mean nothing to you. And they mean nothing to me. And I'll never let them. I came here to have a fantastic life. And I'm going to have it. You're not stealing that from me. The moments you got was it. I'm taking back my own power. So you want to remember. Go inside, do some forgiveness work, apologize. All right. So I also believe that, or I should let you know, knowing that they're subconscious, I also know the difference between that and the mind. So people think, oh, they're going to die and their mind is telling them all these things. But you got subconscious, right? So your mind is not actually, you can shut your mind down and your subconscious will continue working. You don't have to think. I only learned that recently, but you don't have to think. And thinking, I can put what I want there. I can change. I like to call it. My coach used to always talk about, Maria, change your canvas. And I used to love it because it's true. I can be in the most ugly circumstance. And I go, I don't want to be here. I don't want to deal with this. Changing my canvas. And I'd put a new canvas, a new whiteboard up in front of me. And I would start my painting all over again and what my day was going to be like. And that person or these circumstances would no longer be in it. And amazingly, everything from my approach because of that would change my day. I can have an amazing day because I decided before, when I got up, I'm going to have an amazing day. Because that's the canvas I'm putting up. An amazing day. Fun, easy, everything flows. That's the kind of day I want. That's the kind of day I'm going to have. And it would work. And we have more power than we realize. We just aren't using it. So when you realize that your mind is a tool for you to use and not 
to use you. Shut it the hell off if it's telling you you're ugly or it's telling you things that you don't want to hear or it's telling you about... Right. I don't need to have you. I don't need to have you going all the time in my damn head, so stop it. So I'm going to do what is the thing I think about right now. I'm not going to let any other thought than the moment I'm in come up for me. I don't want to know what you're doing tomorrow. First of all, I don't know where my husband is, what he's doing, who he's doing it with. None of those come up because I'm not letting them. I don't care. It's not my business. Right now, what I'm doing here is my business. Am I doing it well? Am I focused? Am I paying attention? That's what I'm doing. I'm living in this moment. And this moment, I'm going to be awesome. And yes, my memories are great. And yes, my thoughts are great. But I'm going to pick and choose which ones I have. Because the ones I have that are driving me crazy or would lead to driving me crazy because they're none of my damn business, I'm going to get back in touch with. And people say, oh, but your partner is your business. No, he's not. How you live your life and your day is your business. How they're living their lives and your day. When you two are together and you're interacting, make that your business. Not spending your day recapping of what they did and did not do, like you're a police officer. Are you in a relationship? Are you a general? Are you a sergeant? Are you, what are you doing? You're in security? Determine what you're in. Okay, I have gone way past our normal, but this was important, and I really thought we needed to cover this issue thoroughly. So, I am hoping that you remember you've got tears. You've got controlling your thoughts. You've got removing some of your belief systems. You've got going within and giving yourself love, attention, and an apology for all that you've done. A really good hug works in that inside thing. And you pick up happier thoughts because you're in control. Who's in control? You are. Who is the most important person in your world? You. Who should you invest in? You. So hence, that's what your focus needs to be. And remember, emotional hygiene is important for you to have your fullest life. So you don't want you want a great relationship? Deal with yourself. Start there. Have a great day, and thank you so much for listening. Um, look for the other podcasts as they come out. And I hope that this one was helpful and useful. Remember, our show is M's Air, um, 7.30 Eastern. It is on Instagram Live.